Whoa, what's up? Just made it in time, had to grab a cap. But we are live, you see right there, the Knicks. We're gonna lead off with that. They just dropped game one to the Heat, the Rangers. They play game seven, game seven tomorrow. You're welcome, Rangers fans. I jinxed it, I jinxed it. I told you the Rangers were choking. I did that for a reason for you guys to win. So you're welcome, all Rangers fans. Um, what else do we got? The Yankees got smoked today. I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. Hmm. That was fun to watch. Uh, yeah, Nestor Cortez is not the same anymore. He, uh, he's just not an ace. Uh, I think last year was just... It was an outlier season for Nestor Cortez. Going to be going over that. Aaron Judge's injury might really affect this team. It came out that he's got a little thing going on with his hip. So we're going to be talking about that. Aaron Boone, too, as well. His post-game comments. That kind of irked me a little bit today. Um, going to be talking a lot of Knicks, though, obviously. Some Mets, too, as well. They're not meeting expectations in my book as of right now. Um, I was joking around in my Mets chat yesterday with the guys. Shout out all those guys, Shane and Sons. You know, I'm going to be popping on their podcast a little bit later today. That might be out, I think, tomorrow probably or sometime this week. So make sure you give them a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to their YouTube channel because they're awesome. They got a lot of good Mets coverage. And check out two Jared, my boy of the Mets way. He wrote a great article. He interviewed Nelson of the Amish Country Mets fan page. So check out both the Mets way. Check out Jared. He's got real good Jets podcast, too, on top of the Mets. Uh, check out Bory too. Um, he's got a lot of good stuff going on over there with his page. Making a lot, a lot of progress, too. So good for him, man. He's really chopping it up. Um, nice little story they put together. And yes, going to be talking about the Jets and Giants as well. Let's get right into it. We stopped the Jack Harlow music. So he was courtside. Supporting the boys today. Actually, I don't really know because he's a big boy uh, with Tyler Hero. So he could have been supporting the Heat. But the Knicks, man, you know, it was not it was not a fun game to watch if you're a Knicks fan. In the first half, it was great. Um, towards the second half, uh, towards the end of the second quarter, the Heat kind of started to turn it on a little bit. And then obviously in the third quarter, the Heat really took over. And then in the fourth quarter, I mean, we came within three at one point, but it just really wasn't the New York Knicks night. You know, our threes were not falling, especially in the second half. Jalen Brunson, you know, it was rare. He did not make a three tonight. That's rare. He usually, he's doesn't, he's not a guy who's going to make like four plus three pointers, but he's not a guy who's going to make zero. So that was, that was something that I was surprised to see. You know, RJ Barrett did have another great game. He dropped 26 points. Going to be talking about RJ Barrett in a little bit, but before I do get into the positive part of the Knicks, I do want to get off with the negatives. Um, You know, I think the fouls, you know, we had a lot of fouls. And the one thing that really irked me is when Jimmy Butler, when he did roll his ankle and he's guarding R.J. Barrett and R.J. Barrett is having the night like he's having, well, day like he's having, these next day games, man, but day like he's having. Why are we not putting the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands? You know, the Heat were just crowding the paint. They're crowding the paint waiting for Jalen Brunson to just walk in there and try to get a floater off. And it was working in the beginning of the game, but they made adjustments. You know, they have they have a coach who won multiple NBA Finals in Eric Spolstra. They have Jimmy Butler, who's been to an NBA Finals. They have Kevin Love, who's won an NBA Finals. They have Kyle Lowry, who's won an NBA Finals in Toronto. So they have 
they have very experienced guys part of this roster and part of this organization because we know Pat Riley as well, the, the NBA, the NBA uh, savant he is. So the Knicks, it's not just as much of a cakewalk, I think, as myself and a lot of fans thought it was going to be. You know, we thought, you know, with the way that they performed against the Cavs was, was a great sign for the Heat. But, you know, looking at that first game, Jimmy Butler, even with that rolled ankle, he ain't he ain't going nowhere. He's not going nowhere. Bam out of bio. He had a he had an all right game and I mean nothing crazy, but he had a good game. So I mean, we got to figure it out. Emmanuel quickly's really got to get going. That's one guy who needs to get going. Also, one thing I'm not sure if this is a hot take because I'm known for the hot takes. Obviously, I'm afraid to say what people. I mean, I'm not afraid to say what some people are afraid to say. For instance, like I'm going to call out Francisco Lindor later. We're going to be calling out Pete Alonso a little bit later too. Those two big boppers, what's going on? Both of them really struggling, um, especially Lindor. Um, also, I'm going to get on Verlander too. But yeah, listen, I'm not afraid. I'm I'm not afraid to say what some people are afraid to say. Why is Evan Fournier not playing? Like, we have him on the roster. We signed him to a three-year deal. He made the most threes for an M- Like, he made the most threes by New York Knicks in a single season last year. And what did we suck at today? Threes. Now, I get it if Julius Randle's playing and Fournier's not in the lineup. And I get it that this nine-man rotation has been nothing but great, right? Except today, when we don't have Randle. So why not make an adjustment? Okay, our three point our three point shots are not falling. Everybody there sucks right now. Nobody can hit a three for their life. We got Evan Fournier on the bench, just pulling in millions of dollars, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, just sitting on the bench collecting DNPs every single night while the New York Knicks cannot hit a three. I get it. He cannot play defense. But look at the look at the Heat's roster. They got Duncan Robinson who can't play defense too. He's out there getting multiple minutes. And like I said, if Julius Randle's not in the lineup, okay, like you know, I mean, if Julius Randle's in the lineup, okay, I get it. Fournier's not on the floor. He doesn't make the cut for the nine man rotation. But when we can't hit threes, and when we and Julius Randle's not in the lineup, and he's a guy who's hitting four plus threes a night some nights. And we can't hit a three for our life. Why not put in the guy who literally is in the NBA because he's a lights out three point shooter? Why is Evan Fournier just sitting on the bench? He's a capable NBA player. If he's out there, I guarantee you he gives us at least three or four threes tonight. And with Julius Randle not in the lineup, I think the only excuse for him not being in the lineup is. Tibbs just wants to DMP him. Well, Tibbs, I'm, I love Tibbs right now, and he's been great. He's been great, especially in that first round, making all those adjustments. Well, why not make that adjustment and put in Fournier, probably our best pure three-point shooter, or play Grimes more minutes down the stretch? I just don't get Tibbs sometimes, man. I really don't get Tibbs sometimes. He's got to make adjustments. If like I get the nine-man rotation has been great. Everybody in that rotation deserves all the minutes in the world. But Evan 
Fournier is sitting on the bench collecting millions and millions and millions of dollars to not make a single three when he made the most threes by a Knicks player in a single season last year. It just does. I'm not saying you got to put him in the starting lineup again, but why can't the guy come off the bench and play 20 something minutes, especially when Emmanuel quickly, he can't make a three for his life right now either. So bench him. I don't care. It's crunch time. It is crunch time. It's not, you can't be afraid to just make an adjustment. Fournier is a proven NBA lights out three point shooter. Put him in. He's a guy who literally, he was the Boston Celtics killer last year. So I don't want to hear that he cannot come in into this lineup and drop three or four threes if he's given 20 plus minutes. Evan Fournier is capable of doing that. And the fact that Tibbs is just not playing him because he wants to stick to this stupid nine man rotation, I get it. It's been great. But when Julius Randle is, is out and he's a guy who's going to give you four plus threes, make an adjustment and put somebody else in that rotation. I don't understand why we can't put Fournier in the game. Even when Randle's back, I don't understand why Evan Fournier is sitting on the bench collecting millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to not put threes up bar. We suck. We cannot shoot a three right now. And I just don't, I just don't understand why Fournier is not playing right now. I just don't understand. But other than that, I mean, it's really just the three point shots. They got to be falling. And I just don't understand why we can't put Fournier in. So if Randall's out next game and Tibbs can't make that adjustment, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to get on him even more because I know it's like, who who am I going to say, you know, what's that going to change? We all know Fournier's not going to play, but maybe he does, and that would be great. But the Heat are just, I don't know, hopefully Butler, like, I don't know. Hopefully he can kind of suck. Honestly, that's the best way to put it because he's, he's going to kill us. Kyle Lowry, like, he's so smart, you know, knocking the ball out of Josh Hart's hand down the stretch. You know, when Mitch grabs that rebound and he knocks it out of his hands that, down the stretch, and then then would they get a three right there to put them up. They were up three at that point. It puts them up by six. That's really when the Knicks fell out of it. So I'm just I, – like, it's scary. They, like, if you're a Knicks fan, you are 100% worried. We are facing not just an eight – they're an eight seed, yes. Granted, they're an eight seed. But like I said earlier, they have Eric Spolstra, a guy who's won multiple NBA championships with the Miami Heat. They have Jimmy Butler, who just not to- not so long ago was in the NBA Finals. Yes, it was in the bubble, but it still took a lot. So he's a proven player in this league. He wants to get back there. He's hungry. That's why he dropped 98 points in his last two games against the M- Milwaukee Bucks. He wants to get back there. So we need to be, even without Tyler Hero, this team is good. And if we don't have Emmanuel quickly, a guy who was averaging over 20 a game the last 20 games of the season, we need to make adjustments. We need to make adjustments. But RJ Barrett, let's talk about RJ. His playoff RJ, I was talking about it last show. Playoff RJ Barrett's a thing. His last four games, he's been averaging 23 points per game on 54% shooting. Granted, only 28% from three. Would love to see that up, but I'll tell you what. If there's one guy who's fighting and trying to make this team win right now, like he's going all out, balls to the wall. Yes, Josh Hart is, and yes, Jalen Brunson is playing great. But R.J. Barrett, it's the best. He's playing the best basketball I think he's ever played in his career. And if he's knocking down threes, it's over. It's over. He'd be averaging 30 a night if he was knocking down his threes. So without knocking down his threes, he's averaging 23 a night, shooting 54% from the field. 
Playoff RJ Barrett is the thing. And he's not just not going to make his three. Like we saw him shoot for over 40% in his sophomore season. So we know it's there somewhere. He just needs to break it out. He needs to break out that three point shot. And once he does, he's going to be a great player. I think he's saving himself one with a lot of Knicks fans who are kind of, you know, worried about RJ Barrett. Cause he did have an offensively. He had a very down year offensively, but he's really turned it on in the playoffs, you know, 23 a night since the last four games, you know, after game one, really, He's really been our best. He's been our best player, I think, you know, in in like the last three games of that round one. Um, granted, Jalen Brunson is the glue, but, you know, without R.J. Barrett, we don't win those games. Um, and R.J. Barrett kept us in today, you know, even in the second half, and he was lights out in the first quarter. So, you know, hopefully he, he's going to continue to get – he's going to continue to bring it because he's a guy, you know, he's got a championship pedigree, you know, being at Duke. You know, even though he didn't win a championship, he was a winner over there. You know, they barely lost with that team, even though he's a one-and-done guy. You know, he's a high-leverage player. He's he's here for the moments. He's going to show up in the big moments, and he has been. So once we got Randall back, I think we're going to be chilling. I think we're going to be fine. But at the same time, it's not going to be easy. I said Knicks in six. It might not be Knicks in six. It might be Knicks in seven. It might not even be Knicks. It could be Miami. Now, I'm still taking the Knicks, but that's also because I am being biased. So, the Heat, they're not going to go down. They're like you just saw today. You just saw today. They're smart. They got that Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love. They got experienced guys. Experienced guys. All those guys I just mentioned, besides Jimmy Butler, they've won an NBA championship multiple times. Well, not Kyle Lowry, but <sighs> let's get uh, let's get into some baseball though. The New York Yankees they got blown out today. Their last twenty five games, they're twelve and thirteen. They lost fifteen to two today. Nestor Cortez let up three long balls. The Yankees suck right now. No better way to put it. Uh, yeah, they don't have Aaron Judge either. He's got like a hit pointer or some shit like that. So that's got to be figured out because, like I said on multiple shows before, the lineup runs through Aaron Judge. Runs through Aaron Judge. If he's not producing, then this Yankees lineup isn't producing. And this Yankees team going into this year, they built around the pitching rotation. They brought in Rodon to join the stacked rotation of Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Garrett Cole, who's been the best pitcher in baseball all year. And then the number five, it was really going to be just who's going to win that spot. But then obviously the injuries that happened to Severino and Rodon, and then Nestor Cortez doesn't look the same as he did last year. Garrett Cole, though, he's been the best pitcher in baseball. Um, but other than Garrett Cole, every every Yankees pitcher has really, really struggled. So it's an alarming problem. You see right there, the last 25 games, they're just 12 and 13. So they got que- they got a lot of question marks, and they need to get they need to get some answers quickly. Because when you look at their lineup, there's really not a threat, especially without Aaron Judge in that lineup right now. Rizzo, he had a great start to the year, but he's been dying down a little bit, getting back down to normal. No Stanton either for a very long extended period of time. Uh, it's going to be like six to eight weeks or something like that. Probably another more, probably another more six weeks since he went down a couple weeks ago, you know. And then Josh Donaldson obviously sucks. You know, you got IFK. You can't put him in the field. Well, you can put him in the field, but you can't put him in the lineup. Who else you got? Aaron Hicks sucks. Glaber Torres had a great start to the year. You know, he hit a home run the other night, but he is what he is. So. And Anthony Volpe, he hasn't produced like he hasn't produced up to what Yankees fans I think expected. 
So the Yankees, you know, especially with the Rays being, you know, how dominant they look right now, they got a lot of question marks. They got a lot of question marks. It's not the same old Yanks. I mean, when you look at the team last year, I think they're a worse team than last year. I mean, they don't have Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter was a beast for them in the first half of the year. The Yankees at one point were the best team in baseball for the first half, the whole first half of last year. Then injuries happened. And now injuries are happening so on, like very early on into the season. So I'm not surprised to see the Yankees, especially like what they could have gotten guys. Like if they were the old Yankees, I guarantee you they go out there, they sign a guy like Trey Turner. You know, you brought in Rodon, who has never pitched over 180 innings in his life. Never pitched over 180 innings. That man's on a six-year contract. I don't get it. And Yankees fans, harp on Mets fans, because Cohen brought in Scherzer and freaking Verlander on two-year deals. I don't get it, but whatever. That's another topic for another day. The Yanks got question marks, and they got to answer them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a 15-2 blowout, like I said, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it, but... Hopefully Aaron Judge's injury isn't an actual injury. Hopefully it's just going to be a quick little quick little annoying injury that he has to deal with and he can come back and he can start raking because he, w- he was raking before he did go down with that little hip injury. And uh, Stanton was too. So it's very unfortunate for the Yankees right now. And they, get, they just got to stay afloat. I said it on the last pod. You know, they got to stay afloat up until the deadline. And when the deadline happens, if they're in a position to make the playoffs and make a make a playoff or, uh make a playoff push, go out there and make moves. They can't be the new version of this Yankees team that's trying to be cute and develop kids like Anthony Volpe and Oswaldo Cabrera. No, or or try to get something out of a guy like Josh Donaldson or try to squeeze the last out of Aaron Hicks so see what he can actually provide before you let him go. No. Go out there and put actual players that deserve to be New York Yankees because I'll tell you what there's some guys on the Yankees roster who straight up do not deserve to be a New York Yankee they they have no business being in the starting lineup or even on the Yankees so that's that's the real problem it's not Aaron Boone it's not Aaron Judge going out with an injury or Stanton I think the real problem is Brian Cashman and if it's not Cashman then it's clear cut that it's the owner so Either got to spend more and put more. Like, you look at it, they're second. Yes, yes, they are second in payroll in the MLB. But you look at teams around the league. What do they have that the Yankees don't? Multiple stars. Stanton, he's not what he used to be when he was with Miami. I'm sorry. Anthony Rizzo, he was great when he's with the Chicago Cubs. He won a World Series. He was a former MVP candidate when he was a beast. But... He's just not that player anymore. He is what he is too. Um, and outside of Judge, there's no, there's no superstar. And I'm not saying you need even multiple superstars, but you need multiple stars. And Stanton isn't even an all-star. I mean, let's be real. He's a 20 hitter. I mean, yeah, he's going to hit you a lot of home runs, but he's going to strike out a lot in a lot of big situations. And you look around this league, like I said, you look around this league. You look at the Dodgers. You look at the Padres. You look at what the Giants were trying to build. These team, the Mets right now, just right across town. They got Alonzo, they got Lindor, they got Marte. You know, you gotta build an offense. You can't just rely on pitching. 
and you can't rely on Josh Donaldson and try to get the last out of him when he won an MVP, what feels like almost a decade ago. So it was just failure from the jump, in my opinion. Now look, when you look backwards on it, it's failure from the jump. So the Yankees, question marks, got to get answers. And they might got to get them quick with the way uh, with the way that the Rays are playing right now. Um, but let's get into the Mets. Should the Mets be worried? Should Mets fans be worried? Francisco Lindor hitting 218, 318 on base percentage. He's strucking out 30 times in just 27 games. What is going on with Francisco Lindor? I do not know. I do not know. But when he, when he was with Cleveland, he was one of the best players in the league. There's no other better way to put it. Look at the stats. He had three consecutive years where he hit 30-plus home runs. He had 800 OPS almost every single year. His total bases were drastically higher than it, than they are right now. Um, the RBI count, yes, was inflated last year with the Mets, but partially due to the fact that Brandon Nimmo and Starlin Marte hit in front of him. I'm not going to lie there. And same thing with Pete Alonso. Like you, if you put you put Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonso slot last year, he's gonna have maybe more RBIs. Judge, I mean, in the lineup that he was hitting leadoff sometimes, and he had the same amount of RBIs as Alonso. So yes, I'm not taking any credit away from them, but I'm not gonna say last year was Lindor's best year because he led the he had more RB he had more, uh, his first season with 100 RBIs. I'm not gonna say that that was his best year. I think that's one of his best years, and I think that's a year that. Mets fans should expect to see year in and year out. But, I mean, this guy is being paid like a superstar. I'm not going to complain about the contract right now. I'm not. But he's being paid like a superstar. We make him out to be a superstar. But the numbers, when you look at him, if you if you took, like, let's say, you take the name away from Francisco Lindor. You take names away from everybody in this league and contracts, and you just look at the numbers. You just look at the numbers. You look at Cleveland Lindor and New York Lindor, you think it's a totally different player. Totally different player. Even 2022 Lindor. Yes, the 25 home runs and all the more than 100 RBIs were great, but the batting average was still down. The OPS was down. The strikeouts were up. I don't know what it is, but I don't think we've seen the best of Lindor yet in New York. I still think it has yet to come. Obviously, it's yet to come right now in 2023 when he's hitting 218 with a 318 on base percentage. So at, at some point, you know, within like the next month or so, if it's still like if this batting average is still well below 250. I think we're going to have to start pointing our fingers at Lindor and being like, yo, what's up? What's going on? Got to step it up. Because we make him out to be a superstar. When he was brought here, he was a superstar. No doubt about it, he was one of the best players in this league. Now he's just one of the best shortstops in this league. Like, he was once one of the best hitters in the league. Three consecutive years, 30-plus home runs. What happened to that guy? What happened to that Francisco Lindor? Can Mets fans swallow that pill that we got Lindor? You know, we got Lindor. When he retires, he will be known as a New York Met. 
But right now, his best years were with Cleveland. There's no other the stats don't lie, numbers don't lie. And I'm not trying to say the narrative that his contract wasn't worth it. No, we gave what we gave him, not just because he was a great player. We gave what we gave him to make a statement to around the league that the Mets are no longer those old Mets. They're a new team, they're a new franchise, they got a new owner, fresh face. And even that contract now, looking at it, he's in a he's gonna get out of that contract before he's 40. So it is a good contract. And I do expect him to start turning it on. But if he doesn't, we got to start being like, yo, bro, what's going on? But we should be worried about the Mets. Should we? Should we? Should we? I mean, you look at the look at the Braves. They're scorching hot. They just killed us the other day. You know, past couple games got delayed, postponed, actually. So we're getting lucky that we don't have to face them, that some fans are saying. So that right off the bat shows me that Mets fans are already worrying. But listen, man, same thing as going into the year. We have a $364 million payroll. But somehow, the Atlanta Braves are better. And I'm not going to say that that's a problem. But, is it like, isn't it a little bit of a problem? Like our owner and our GM committed $364 million to this team. And we can't even be the best team in our own division. That's sad. That's sad. No other better way to put it. We are a a world series or bust mentality. You don't bring in, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, two uh, almost 40-year-old pitchers now on two-year deals worth over $40 million to not try and win a World Series. You don't bring in Francisco Lindor in the prime of his career to not shoot for a World Series. You don't give Brandon Nimmo an eight-year deal. You don't give Jeff McNeil a four-year extension after winning the NL Baden title. You don't bring in Jose Quintana. You don't try to re-sign Edwin Diaz, even though he went down with an injury. You don't try to bring him back unless you're trying. You don't sign a manager like Buck Showalter, who's been a one of the most accomplished manager in the history of the baseball. In the history of the MLB, Buck Showalter is one of the most accomplished managers. But the one thing he hasn't done is won that ring. He has not won the big one. That's the one thing. That is haunting his legacy. So you bring him in because he's desperate and he wants that ring. And he is a great manager. But he still has yet to win the big one. So the pressure is on. The $364 million payroll. Lindor, he has pressure. Alonzo, he has more. I think Alonzo has the most pressure than anybody on the team. One, he's a guy who's trying to get paid just like Nimmo, just like Lindor, just like uh, McNeil and Diaz. He's trying to get paid too. He's still yet to get that contract. And he's also, he might not, he, he's one of the faces of the Mets. The Mets have many faces, but he's been, he's not the captain, but he's been here a long, long time. He's a homegrown Met. 
He wants to bring a championship here 100%. Obviously, he's overshadowed by Aaron Judge almost every single season. So he's got a lot of pressure on him too. So the Mets, they got to start stepping it up. And Max Scherzer's got pressure, and so does Justin Verlander, who has yet to pitch. But I think the most amount of pressure on this Mets team this year is Buck Showalter and Pete Alonzo, and then Francisco Lindor. So Lindor's got to step it up. Alonzo, I mean, he had that whole, he had the stretch where he had ten home, like he's already had ten home runs. He's got twenty five plus RBI. So Alonzo, I mean, he still is having a great year when you look at his numbers. But the two fifty bad and average, all Mets fans know that can go up. That can go way up. We all know what Alonzo can do. He can hit two seventy and above. And same thing with Lindor. We hold those two guys to high expectations. And when they're both slumping, this Mets team is straight out garbage. Because McNeil, he's a great hitter, but he can't drive himself in. And Brandon Nimmo, he's a great hitter, but he can't drive himself in. Starlin Marte, he's been slumping. Lindor's been slumping. Alonzo's been slumping. And when all three of those guys, who are really supposed to be our guys who drive the ball into the gap, hit the ball over the ball, not so much Starlin Marte, but Lindor and Alonzo, they're not producing, then we suck. We suck. Yeah, but hopefully Brett Beatty can kind of light a little fire under these guys. But um, what else do I want to talk about today? New York Jets. New York Jets. Are they a top three team in the AFC? You look at the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are top two, 100%. Nobody better than those two teams. It's Kansas City Chiefs, one. Cincinnati Bengals, two. Number three. Last year, I'd say it was the Buffalo Bills. Now, though, is it the New York Jets? Are the New York Jets now a top three team in the AFC? I think so. I think they really might be a top three team. Going to put the, put them in the same conversation as those teams. Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, and the New York Jets right there. Right there, baby. Listen, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. You got Trevor Lawrence with the Jags. You got Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And those two teams, they really haven't even taken off yet, but you expect them to, especially the Jags. They had a really great second half last year, one of the better teams in the league in the second half. Then you got the Bills, you know. Sean McDermott, he's a great coach. Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Stephon Diggs, obviously, he's a beast. Gabe Davis, they got a great roster over there. Von Miller will be healthy. I mean, you got, obviously, the Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champs. Pat Mahomes, just a beast. I don't even have to describe what the Chiefs are. We all know what the Chiefs are. Their only flaw is Jackson Mahomes. Um, <laughs> the, so, yeah, really, I mean, I think the Jets are up there with those three teams. You look at their roster. They're star-studded. Aaron Rodgers has a lot of weapons. He's got Brees Hall. He's going to be back. Michael Carter, a very good running back. Their O-line, they're building up that O-line. Elijah Vera Tucker will be healthy. Mekhi Becton will be healthy. You know, I've been raving about Garrett Wilson and the fact that 1,100 yards with Zach Wilson, who was more worried about banging Mills than actually throwing screen passes. And then you had Mike White, fifth-round draft pick, floating from the Dallas Cowboys practice squad all the way to the New York Jets practice squad. And then Joe Flacco, who was the most unmotivated quarterback, I think, in the history of the NFL at that point in his career. So the Jets, 
For Garrett Wilson to put up the numbers that he did in his rookie year, that's insane. And now with a four-time MVP, Aaron Rodgers, he is going to do a lot of big things, a lot of big things. So I'm excited for that. I get it. Alan Lazard was his guy, but Garrett Wilson is a dog, and he will be a – he had more yards last year than Jamar Chase. Bono. So Brees Hall, too, when he's healthy, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to start the season. But regardless, when Brees Hall steps onto that field, this Jets team, whew, they're going to take off. And then you look at the defense, too. I mean, they just got another guy in the draft that they can add to that edge rush, Will McDonald. He'll be good. He'll be good. He might not be starting because our, our line is really loaded. Carl Lawson, you know, right on the right on the edge, too. You got Quincy Williams that we're bringing back. Quentin Williams, all-pro defensive lineman. John Franklin, uh, John Franklin Myers, too. He's great. You know, our defense is just stacked. You look at our secondary. I've been saying Jordan Whitehead will get it. He will, he'll have a bounce back year. C.J. Mosley, he missed a lot of tackles last year. But overall, I think with Aaron Rodgers, we're really going to see the best of C.J. Mosley with the New York Jets next year. And then you got Sauce. We obviously know Sauce, one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in football. And then D.J. Reed, a top 10 or top 15 cornerback in football. So this defense is stacked. Rob Sala, we know the defensive mind that he is. It's going to be an interesting pairing with uh, Rodgers and Sala. You know, you're going to have Rodgers, the drug rug lord, and then you have Rob Sala, the guy who runs stairs before games. So that's an interesting pairing. I'm I'm very excited to see how those two work together. I think opposites attract. You know, that's the that's the big thing that's said in this world. So maybe maybe it works out. Maybe opposites attract and it. It all goes well because Salah, we know he and, and Rogers too. He's pumped. He is pumped. You know, you saw him. He was long hair, shaggy hair last year. He comes in. He means his message. Like it was a clear cut. He sent a message to New York Jets fans that he means business. He comes in here, clean cut, looking in shape, fresh, ready to go. Not in that drug rug style. Aaron Rodgers. He's in. QB1, I want to win an MVP in a Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers mode. That's the type of mode he's in. You see him on courtside with Alan Lazard rocking the sweet New York Jets-Yankee collab hat. That was a fire hat. I'm a Mets fan, and I'll, I'll even admit that was a fire hat. So you see Rodgers already getting going with the boys, with the Jets. He's rolling. He's pumped. He's. I think this is the most motivated we've seen Aaron Rodgers in a long, long, long time. He's talked very highly about this roster before they added all the additions that he wanted and bringing in Nathaniel Hackett. And he said, add in Nathaniel Hackett, add in Alan Lazard, add in McCole Hardman, add in all those guys, just added to the added the icing on the cake. He wanted to be here from, from the day that he got dominated by the Jets. You know, the Jets defensively, they they stomped out the Packers. You know, with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. So he wants to be a part of this team. He wants to be a part of something special. And I think Jets fans should be excited about that. You know, seeing him courtside is a great sign. Great sign. He He's sending a message to the fans. Sending a message to the fans. The G-Men, let's talk about them. We can't talk about the Jets without talking about the G-Men. Let's, let's power through this. Let's power through this. The New York Giants, will they be? They're have a sneaky good draft. A sneaky good draft. I think the Giants probably top five, you know, draft winners this year. Um, Deontay Banks, 
I love that pick. You know, when you look at his college numbers, he had some better numbers than Sauce Gardner. So you put him in last year's draft, I think Deontay Banks could be a top 10 pick. So you got to be excited if you're a Giants fan for Deontay Banks. You know, I was talking about it, this Giants defense, it needed something to make that jump from good to great. Wink Martindale is a great defensive mind. You know, you have Kayvon Thibodeau. You're expecting him to take a major year two jump. You already have Dexter Lawrence on that defensive line. He is a beast, elite, one of the best in the game. And then you also have Xavier McKinney. When he's on the field, this defense is just that much better. He's an X factor. They're really missing, though, a cornerback, a real legit cornerback. Yes, yes, what's... Jesus, why am I forgetting his name? Adoree Jackson is great, yes. But bringing in Deontay Banks, a guy who has the potential to be a number one cornerback in this league. And cornerbacks, they're not like, I mean, wide receivers, you see, they they make the jump real quick. Same thing with running backs. But they're not like quarterbacks or an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. Cornerbacks, they can make an impact quick. They catch on quick. So you got to be excited about Deontay Banks. He's going to be able to help this team, not just, for a long, long time in the future. But I think right away, Deontay Banks will make an impact. So this Giants defense, it should take a major step forward with him. A major step forward with him. And especially if you expect Kayvon Thibodeau to take another step forward. They're going to have a great defense next year. A great defense next year. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, they obviously lost a lot of pieces. Defensively, they lost CJ GJ, one of their best guys in the secondary. And they also lost Miles Sanders as well. They added another great they, I mean, they added uh uh Jalen. What what's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? But yes, they added a stud on the defensive side of the ball. So listen, are they gonna be able to win the NFC East? I don't know. Not necessarily. I'm not saying that, but Adding Darren Waller, adding Bobby O'Keefe in free agency, adding Deontay Banks in the draft. You're adding three guys who will make an impact, I think, right away. Right away. And then you add to the fact that the Eagles lost the guys they lost. They also lost coaches. And the Giants, too. They did not lose Wink, and they did not lose Kafka. That's huge. That's huge. And then Dayball again with another year with Daniel Jones. Let's see what rolls on. Let's see what rolls on. Not going to spend too much time on Game 7. But you're welcome, Rangers fans. I was talking a lot of shit about Mika's advantage, Ed. And what happened? He went off. He carried you to Game 7. The Rangers did not choke. I said the Rangers were going to choke. They didn't choke. You're welcome. I did it on purpose. You're welcome. So you could thank me, but it's okay. You don't need to thank me. Um, I still think the Rangers are going to lose. That's my prediction. I think it's a one-game wonder for your boys at Banajad. I think the Devils are too good of a team for you. Um, the Rangers, sorry, just, just not a better team than the Devils. They weren't in the regular season, and they aren't right now. Um, it was a great game last night. Uh, you know, the Rangers played great. Zbanjad, he went off. Mika was great. But listen, the Devils, as I just said moments ago, they're the better team. Not big on hockey, but I'll get Frankie on tomorrow for the Rangers spot. Maybe you get Bono too. 
Oh, I'm tired. Gonna be on Shane Sons podcast, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off this thing. A little Sunday live, a little nothing special, but we're gonna be popping live tomorrow, probably around one o'clock. Try to get uh, Chris from What's the Static Pod on. He's got a lot of good content over there. Make sure you check out his page. He's got a YouTube channel up just recently. Twitter page. Get get him on there too. What's the Static? So uh, gonna have him on possibly tomorrow. Talking a little Knicks. Talking a little Mets. Yeah, let me pop out of here. Deuces. Oh, and also catch me on Shane Sons. That episode will probably be up, I'd say, sometime this week. They usually record on Sundays and get it right up the next day. So shout out those guys. Make sure you give those guys a follow. Deuces, though. Let's get another Knicks win, though, right when we come back. And uh, I'm just fucking with you, Rangers fans. Hopefully they do get that win tomorrow. We support all the Garden Boys.